Hi, I'm Annie Fitzsimmons. I'm your Washington Realtors Legal Hotline lawyer. And this video is the second video in our series entitled Team Mayhem 2022. If you haven't seen the first video, you gotta go back and watch it. Because in the first video, I introduced three business models and you're not gonna understand the application of those business models to the discussion in this video if you haven't watched the first video. So, sorry to make you go back, but if you haven't watched it or if you don't remember those three business models, go back and watch that first video. Also, in the first video, we linked to a 2014 article regarding the basics of teams, basics of law as that applies to teams. On this video, on the link below, you will be able to access a, a new article, a very current 2022 article, discussing the issues that we're covering in this video. So if you wanna do some additional reading to supplement what you're watching, then link to the video, I'm sorry, link to the article at the bottom of the screen. Okay, we've got our three business models. To, in this video, we are going to talk about supervision and agency under these three business models. Let's start with a basic understanding that all real estate broker brokerage activities, the provision of all real estate brokerage activities by a broker is subject to the supervision, ultimately the supervision of that broker's designated broker. And within their firm, a broker may have a managing broker and a, and a designated broker, two separate people. <clears throat> But certainly every firm, every broker is subject to the supervision of their designated broker. And correspondingly, every designated broker is required to supervise every broker, even if there is an intermediate managing broker, every designated broker is required to supervise the provision of real estate brokerage services by all brokers licensed to the firm. Business model one, we have a Bellingham team that employs in some capacity, maybe it's truly an employment arrangement, maybe it's a, we're going to hire you as an independent contractor to provide uh, intermittent services for us in the Walla Walla area. You'll be compensated either as an employee or as an independent contractor, but you're going to be compensated for the provision of real estate brokerage services. We're the firm in Bellingham. The question is one of supervision. Let's look at it first from the Walla Walla Brokers standpoint. In this situation, what we have found out industry-wide is that in most of these situations, the Bellingham team, for example, and it doesn't matter, I, I, in my business model from video one, I, I created this Bellingham team. I don't care where the team is located. It can be located anywhere geographically separate from the brokers that they're hiring. Okay, so we're gonna keep referring to them as a Bellingham team, but please understand this has nothing to do with Bellingham. Okay, the team hires a broker in Walla Walla to provide some services. What we're finding industry-wide is that in this type of scenario, the designated broker for the Walla Walla broker has no idea that this is happening. It's advertised when the team is looking for brokers around the state they're holding themselves out as being able to offer experience to newer brokers. Hey, newer broker, you might not have a lot of business of your own. Here's a quick way to make some money and to get experience in the industry. We're gonna give you the consumer. You provide the discrete service that we tell you to provide. 
we will compensate you for that. Now we deal with compensation in video one, we're talking only about supervision right now. So if the Walla Walla broker takes notice of that advertisement and agrees to provide real estate brokerage services for the team and never communicates that to the designated broker, and why would they need to? Because they're getting compensated by this team, they're getting direction from this team, they're giving, given consumers by this team, Really, their designated broker doesn't have anything to do with this, except that the designated broker has a statutory authority to supervise this broker's actions. And so if the designated broker has no idea what this broker is doing, then the designated broker is not supervising the broker's provision of real estate brokerage services, and very likely broker is violating their firm policy at a minimum, because probably the firm has an office policy requiring brokers to run all real estate brokerage transactions through the firm. What about the Bellingham firm or the, the hiring firm? Well, let's say that they're representing a buyer or a seller. It doesn't matter because either way, that firm owes agency law duties to the consumer. And with those agency law duties, there is a certain expectation of performance, reasonable skill and care in the provision of real estate brokerage services. So the hiring firm owes certain obligations to the consumer who's located on the other side of the state. Can the firm provide real estate brokerage services with reasonable skill and care through a broker who is acting without supervision on the other side of the state. And how do we know if that's happening? The firm in Bellingham owes an obligation to the consumer and they have no control whatsoever over the broker who's providing the real estate brokerage services because the broker, the designated broker who's charged with supervising this broker has no idea what this broker is doing and the hiring firm has no supervisory authority over this broker. The entire structure of the license law system for protecting consumers is completely broken down by this business model. It, it falls flat on its face because there is no supervision of the broker who's providing real estate brokerage services and there is no adequate way for the firm who's obligated to meet the needs of the consumer through the provision of reasonable skill and care to ensure that that's happening. That's the problem with supervision. It's a problem for both the broker and their firm as well as the hiring brokers and their firm. Everybody has a supervision problem in this scenario. Business model two, <clears throat> it's very much the same analysis. I'm now the showing broker. I'm located in Yakima. The broker who hires me is located in Spokane. Spokane hires me to show property. Does my, bro does my designated broker know that I'm showing the property? Is my designated broker supervising my provision of real estate brokerage services? If not, we have the same problem we just described. Spokane has an obligation to the consumer to deliver brokerage services with reasonable skill and care. Can they do that through a Yakima broker? 
over whom they have no supervisory authority? And the answer is no, they can't. Statutorily, they defeat, I'm sorry, let me say, that, let me say this differently, they defeat the statutory protection for the consumer. Business Model 3 deals with transaction coordinators. Broker is licensed to one firm, hires a transaction coordinator who's licensed to another firm. Again, who's supervising here? The transaction coordinator is supervised by their own designated broker. Transaction coordinator is getting compensated a fee for each transaction. Although it's unlawful, in most cases, the transaction coordinator fee is being paid directly to the transaction coordinator. The firm doesn't care what's happening with the transaction coordinator. They, they statutorily have to care because they're required to supervise the transaction coordinator, but too many times in this business model, they don't care because the transaction coordinator is acting autonomously without supervision. Violation of the Washington law, license law by the transaction coordinator and that transaction coordinator's designated broker. Same thing on the other side of the transaction, or on the other side of this relationship, I'm sorry, for the hiring broker who is surrendering the provision of real estate brokerage services to another broker who's not supervised by the firm that's contracted to the consumer to provide those services. Again, breakdown of supervision on both sides through this business model, we defeat the statutory structure for protecting the consumer. Agency. The agency law says that if you are providing real estate brokerage services and you have no written agency agreement with either party to the transaction, then by law you represent the buyer. If you have a written agency agreement with the seller, then you represent the seller exclusively. And you're a dual agent only if you have both a written agency agreement with the seller and a written agency agreement with the buyer. So let's say that our team in business model one has a listing. They represent the seller. They have an exclusive relationship with the seller through the listing. But the seller is located on the other side of the state from the team. Because remember, the team advertises their services statewide. So we have a listing agreement with the firm, and the house is located on the other side of the state. Team says, no problem, because we have an associate, somebody who's not licensed to our firm, but who's part of our, but who's gonna help us in this transaction, is gonna work with you, seller, in your local area. Who does this broker represent? Washington agency law says that this broker represents a buyer. Because a broker without an agency agreement tying them directly to the seller, representing the seller exclusively, automatically represents a buyer in the transaction. So this firm, the listing firm, is holding this broker out as being the seller's agent when they're not. This broker represents buyers. What's going to happen in this scenario? Any number of things and all of them are bad. The broker is either going to misrepresent their agency by claiming that they represent the seller when by law they represent the buyer, or they are going to um, act as though they're representing the seller when, in fact, by, when by law they represent the buyer. So they will 
owe agency law duties to the buyer. They won't give those agency law duties to a buyer. Instead, they'll give them to a seller. What about the firm that's done the hiring? The firm that's done the hiring is the exclusive agent of the seller. They represent to the seller that we have an agent representing you in your area when in fact the agent represents buyers because they don't have a direct agency relationship to the seller. How would we correct this problem? Well, this broker down here can't enter an agency relationship with the seller on their own. They can only enter an agency relationship through their firm. And so the firm to whom this broker is licensed across the state is going to also have to have a listing agreement or an agency relationship with the seller. That never happens. It never happens. And so in this scenario, we have a violation of the agency law every single time. Business model two, I'm the showing agent. I don't have an agency relationship with the seller, so that means I necessarily represent the buyer every single time. Is that consistent with the real estate brokerage services I'm providing? Who am I providing the real estate brokerage services for? Who does the hiring firm or the hiring broker represent? Business model three, transaction coordinator. Now think about this one. I'm the listing broker, and I've got a transaction coordinator licensed to another firm. I represent the seller exclusively because I have a listing agreement with the seller through my firm. Transaction coordinator represents the buyer. My transaction coordinator coordinating the transaction on behalf of the seller by operation of Washington law represents the buyer. If I as the listing agent share confidential information of the seller, the, the transaction coordinator represents a buyer. They have no duty to keep that information confidential for the benefit of the seller. To the contrary, they have a duty to share that information with a buyer. Brokers, it, the, the business model does not work under Washington law. You have got to fix this scenario. How can you fix this scenario? You have a transaction coordinator who's licensed to your firm. And then when a listing broker is made the, the exclusive agent of a seller, the firm makes an, an additional appointment of subagency to the transaction coordinator. So now the transaction coordinator and the listing broker both represent the seller exclusively. Without that, we have a complete confusion of agency and listing broker, you better not be sharing confidential information with a transaction coordinator, and you better be treating that transaction coordinator as though they are a buyer's agent. Okay, if you have questions on any of this or anything else, send an email to me, legalhotline at warealtor.org. Thank you for being a Washington Realtors member, and stay tuned for video three in this series.